0: All right, listen up, folks. When the gurus slide, we got a celeb in the house. He's your expert guide with designations aplenty and awards to boot. He's a financial planner, writer, and commentator. So tune in and learn as we delve into his mind. Leadership to Wealth Nation, Jason Prairie, is here to help you shine. You know, Jason... you know 2022 <laughs> is in the books uh yep. what's uh you know from a financial standpoint hmm. what would you describe that how would you put that into some words to sum up 2022 and close that one out
1: uh, you know how do you put into words any year in the you know still kind of dealing with covid post world i mean like how much more we got going on getting off a of, getting off of a global pandemic or, having an invasion of Ukraine, uh, I, I just, I mean, you know, it, the only the only thing certain in life is uncertainty, and I think this was yet another year that proved that, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it depends on what angle you want to talk about, collapsing Canadian housing market, the uh, semi-bubble bursting in the U.S., oh, sorry, in, in stock markets around the world, there's, there's lots to discuss yeah. about what happened.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, I, I absolutely want to talk about those. I And, you know, I, I was talking with Wyatt, uh, my producer, and uh, one of the things there there's a number of issues that I think, you know, they're they're going to sound very political. But I I'm really interested in getting your take from the financial standpoint. Right. The financial impacts of them. And uh, and so as we get into uh, where we're going, let's talk about just. In, in general, what are you kind of seeing for 2023 for financial markets in North America?
1: And what are you sort of advising mm-hmm. your clients that way? Yeah. So my advice never changes, quite honestly. And that's that basically there is no predicting this. If there was, if I could, if anyone could effectively truly predict markets, they would make Warren Buffett look broke. Okay. That's the reality of it. So, you know. What I will say in general is that after last year's correction, um, things look less crazy high priced. Right. And, and, in fairness, that was largely linked to the fact that um, interest rates were nearly zero. Right. So that caused a lot of asset inflation, whether that be housing or whether that be commodities or whether that be uh, stocks, right. That's everything was going, everything was just going up because when your discount rate is zero uh, your property value goes to infinity. Right. So, that that's corrected. and that's taken a lot of heat out the market. What I, what I will say is when I look at the long-term numbers that matter, things like the uh, the, CAPE, um, the capital adjusted uh, P-E or the Schiller Cape numbers, you know, markets are still not cheap. But they're not crazy expensive that they were, but they're still not cheap. So uh, we're still looking at, you know, you look at any of the capital markets assumptions from people who actually do look at the quantitative aspects of this and say this is what we're looking at going forward, they're still relatively muted from a historical standpoint. You know, we're not looking at expectations of double digit stock returns in the next 10, 20 years. We're looking at single digit, yeah. right? So I think first, uh, but, but that said, when you look at polls out of the US or elsewhere, or actually global, global polls on what investors are expecting in return, the expectation number seems to keep on creeping up. Up and it's like at around fifteen percent. Meanwhile, I'm looking at capital market assumptions of like seven to eight. The reality, the first thing that I will say is that everybody needs to get realistic assumptions as to what the heck is going to happen. Um, that's that's first and foremost. Now, what is my advice around this? My advice is the same at all times. Okay. End of the day, what you should be doing is you should be entering into a solid financial plan where you actually are not just doing this aimlessly. You have a plan, and what that means is you've identified what it is you're trying to accomplish in life. You've basically got a plan for. A portfolio that's basically designed around your risk tolerances, which is a big uh, issue now because it's actually now been made mandated by regulation, even though a few people are doing it properly. A portfolio that's designed around your risk profile and basically a plan for what you're going to put into that thing on a regular basis in order to achieve those goals that you're looking to achieve. Because the markets are going to do what they're going to do. You cannot control that. Trying to time it is the easiest way to screw up and basically cost yourself a ton of money. Just have a plan, be in a portfolio that basically ties you to the proper to your proper risk profile and stay the course. Right. And getting caught up in whatever the heck it is you think people are making easy money in is the fastest way to get blown out. Right. Anyone who bought an assignment, you know, who bought a pre-construction deal that was closing in the next 12 months. Oh my God, are they finding out that they're, you know, everybody making money in real estate is not really a thing. It's, it was a, it was an abnormality.
0: <laughs> well, that's absolutely true. And, um, I, I think for, for people, they absolutely need to realize they need to have a plan. And one of the things that though, that I found on the real estate side mm. is there is, there's absolutely, cycles. There's absolutely ups and downs that you can watch. And um, for instance, the whole interest rates, people were asking me about that. And I said, they're, they're going to keep them low, they're going to keep them low, but just realize they're going to come up. And um, when the Bank of Canada started announcing they were going to raise rates, you know, I put it out there. And I think people last year, beginning of last year, I put it out there okay they've said that they are going to start raising rates stop looking differently because they've they've said they're going to do it aggressively and what i love about the bank of canada that way is that they tell you what they they're going to do but then they kind of pretend like oh it might not be that bad but they've covered their butt right and then they go ahead and (laughs)
1: look here's and they went and
0: started raising them
1: look i you know i will say this much um you know, people get bent out of shape over central banks. And and the reality is, is that their job is to fight inflation. So, you know, I will one thing I will say that shouldn't have been done is when Tiff Macklin basically said they're going to be low for a long time. Yes, I'm sorry. The reality is the only answer is our projections are they're going to be low for a long time. But if we have reason to to increase them, we will not hesitate because that is their job right and as much as people who basically now here's let's talk about the entire interest rate issue okay here's what it comes yes. down to
0: come on let's get into it All no right. it's
1: very simple uh, there's an old you know anyone's ever taken brazilian jiu-jitsu and has worked with anyone who basically is like you know an upper level master at this knows the same knows this story and it's basically you know when you ask a when you ask the instructor how do i get out of this position if they don't know an answer the response is always the same don't let yourself get in that position and that is one of the most important things that basically you can you can educate people on when it comes to financial planning is half of the game is not putting yourself in a bad position in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And the reality is is that if you were one of these people who basically bought and took the variable and could not, never mind the. People who committed fraud to get it, because we know that that is not has not an unsubstantial issue or yeah. basically you know took out private mortgages on the side and then eventually and then not declare them, you know, all kinds of shenanigans got up to you. never mind those. If you were someone who basically got the variable because they couldn't afford the fixed, you were already snookered because, frankly, you took on that risk. You took on the risk that if anything happened you were going to suffer for it so if you what i always tell people if you can't basically afford the fixed you can't afford the variable right and if, if you can't afford and i would say back when markets went back when the interest rates were super low my response was if you can't afford the fixed at three to four points higher than where it is now you can't afford the variable that's the reality but here's the thing everybody wants in the bank told me i could do this right Yes. You know, the reality is the bank is not your friend, right? Like I basically I have an analogy where I referred I basically analogize banks to drug dealers, quite honestly, because at the end of the day, they're they make money off your dependency and that dependency is debt. So if you drug dealer, basically, if you ask the drug dealer, how much of your drug can I consume? The answer is the same as the bank as much as humanly possible without dying. Right. They don't want you going bankrupt, but they want you here at all times at all times. So, and, and when I say that, it's not that these people are specifically out there thinking it this way. It's that the system and the approvals and all of that are designed to give you as much access to leverage as possible because everybody wants the dream of home ownership. So, what the bank says you can afford is not what you can afford because guess what? None of their metrics actually look at your actual lifestyle, just your income and other debt costs. That's it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing because when you're obviously as as a licensed agent i'm looking at people and i can see these see the ratios see what their lifestyle is see what's going on and it's amazing to me that that people are putting themselves into these situations and they think it's completely normal because everyone's doing it everyone's jumping yeah. into million dollar homes jumping into these mortgages
1: and Well, the old, the old, would you jump off a bridge if everybody else is doing it? Right. But there is a serious that, you know, we all hear that as a kid. We all think I wouldn't do that, but there's a serious FOMO aspect of this. And there's a serious, I feel, and I feel bad for these people who are just like looking at runaway markets and saying, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. Well, I I always say your, your final mistake is assuming that tomorrow is the same as today. Right. Because, you know, when we are quite literally the worst market in the world by almost every metric to buy real estate in. Uh, in terms of like, in terms of what the uh, income to to uh, to cost ratios are, in terms of uh, being a landlord and the brutally anemic, if not if not negative cash flow yields that we're seeing off these things, right? If your only bet is I need to get in because before this price continues to get away from us, there is a natural breaking point to that around affordability. We cannot consume 100% of our of our tax income cannot go to paying a mortgage. We will die. That is quite simple. And there is yeah. so there is a breaking point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as a private lender, I, I see some of these things and I'm thinking, it is amazing to me that no one looks at some of these other metrics and that they just look at the box. And I shouldn't call them drug dealers, but, you know, they, you they look for the box <laughs> for what, you, you know, what can we give them so that they fit what we want? We don't, I, I share this with people. They don't want your house. They, no. The last thing they want is that is your house. They want mon- money to come in every, you know, every month, regular on a regular basis. And I for investors, I always say banks never use their own money. No, they're always using, you know, someone else. Well, never mind that. Yeah. I
1: mean, like, so I mean, let's look at what happened when things got started getting bad, right? Yes. Um, so basically, you had a situation where variable rates. Those two types of variable variable rate mortgages. One, the payment stays the same, and less yes. goes to the principal every month. And then the other one is basically your your payment goes up. Um, the the first one, which sounds attractive to people, is okay. Well, it'll fluctuate, but it won't increase. Yeah, but the problem is, is that you get to a point uh where the two biggest banks, two of the biggest banks in the country who were the biggest providers of that type of mortgage get to the point where the interest was more than 100 of the principal yes well, it was more than 100 of the payment so what or did the they payment, do they yeah. didn't they didn't they didn't you know they some of them had trigger rates depending on the, the, the insurance the, the plan but others allowed you to capitalize that interest against the mortgage right so now you were not only paying a mortgage payment but you were actually owing more every month yeah. right and this gets worse gets worse you know, if it was their money and it was an uninsured mortgage, it was a 75%, it was like 75 to 80 percent of, of the market value that they would give you as a loan. If it was an insured mortgage, it was 105 or 110%. They were saying, ah, you know what, the taxpayer could stick the bill on this if necessary. So let's not even get into the ridiculous issue that that is. Um, the other the other piece of this is that when you got to renewal, when you get to the renewal, guess what has to happen? Well, you have to snap back to the original amortization on the renewal, right? So if your 25-year mortgage is now a 30-year mortgage because your interest rate got compounded onto the back of it, I'm using extreme numbers, and you now, you're now you now five years in, that, that number is now basically got to snap back to a 20-year mortgage. Otherwise, you have to go out and refinance somewhere else. And either way, your payments are going to be dramatically higher. Yeah, so right. it, was, it was a kick in the can down the road and we're going to start to see some of these mortgages come doing this year and it's not going to be pretty.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially when you consider that the average person max themselves out on the mortgage payment. Right. And, and forget, forget everything else.
1: Well, everyone's priced for for perfection. That's the problem, right? You were, you were priced that nothing could go wrong, right? A lot of these decisions were made with like, okay, great. As long as I could hold my job, and make these payments I'm fine. Well, you know what? Now we're staring down the barrel of a recession. We're seeing layoffs in even the tech sector in you know yes. that are that are that are 5 to 10% of their labor. 5 to 10%. You know, even I like my clients, I've had several layoffs already of people with very highly skilled, very highly paid people, right? Yeah. Now, the the reality is is that what happens in that scenario? No one's going to the bank can get to save you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 4,000 at Twitter, 12,000 with uh... I think Amazon or Google and, you know, no. on and on and on. Yeah. Text. Well, I actually think the tech sector has been brilliant in terms of giving themselves more runway uh, by by cutting this back. And I've looked at it as a good indicator for households to some degree. If, yeah. if these big guys are saying, how do we extend our runway? There we go. But I, w-
1: I would say the other thing is, is they're the ones making the headlines. The small mom, the small manufacturing shop down the street, is not making the headlines for for basically laying off two people and a twenty in a forty person staff, right? So there's more going on here, right? There's yeah. there's definitely more going on. And let's like let's not even talk about the fact that you know those mortgage payments went up at the same time that inflation was basically going through the roof. So now you're staring at your grocery bills that are ten percent higher, right? Like there was no breathing room, right? Again, yeah. don't let yourself get in that position in the first place. And unfortunately, you know the there there is luckily if you listen to people, work with and listen to people like me, we do everything we can to keep you out of those positions, right? Mm -hmm. And I will say that I have very few people, if not any, like, well, very few cases uh, where that happened. No cases that where that where they where they they are in a bad position are ones who didn't listen to us, quite honestly, you know, I've had people who were so desperate to get into the real estate game, uh, because they thought all this money was being made, that, you know, they would come to me with the deals that they wanted to look at, I would legitimately just sit back and and like do the math and say like negative cash flow don't do it or this pre-construction costs more than the one is done down the street don't do it right like you know all this stuff and on more than one occasion after four or five times you know we went over the numbers and I said no they just called to inform me that they did it right you know they just called to inform me that they did it and it's like what was what was the point of this right and then yeah. and then they gave me the numbers and it's as bad as any of the other ones right and it's yeah. because at the end of the day you know, at a certain point, they're like, you know what, enough, enough, I'm just going to do it, right? Like they just, because they, they, the desire, the the, the FOMO, the, the greed, whatever you want to call it is so great that they couldn't get out of it. And, you know, unfortunately we have a couple clients where I have one right now that we were dealing with who did this and, you know, they have an assignment, they thought something they, they were going to sell an assignment. The assignment markets completely disappeared, right? Because no one's speculating on these things going up. This thing closes in two months and this person's going to have to basically close and sell. Because they can't carry it because there'll be negative cash flow. And the reality is, what are they looking at? If they're lucky, they'll break even. If they're lucky, lucky. If they're not lucky, it will be a big hit.
0: I'll tell you for a fact, there are, I don't know, we'll call them real estate gurus that are liquidating their portfolios right now because they are overexposed in the market. They held on to variable rates.
1: I see them. I see them melting down on Twitter. I, I know. <laughs> I will not name names, but I, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, the the more they seem to care about the, the more they seem to care about uh, about fiscal about monetary policy, the more I'm guessing that they're selling off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there. I I mean, for instance, here, here in Ontario, I know of a um, I know of one guy that I, he's actually in court, so I'm not even going to get into that. It, but he literally held on to like huge portfolio held on to variable rates and and all of the all of the assumptions that were made along with uh, acquiring those properties it is amazing to me like one of the the rules that i tell people i have when i when i'm looking at an income property is i don't look i don't look at the what What's the fair market value in rents? We're going to be able to get it up to that. That's wonderful. What is it now? And can we survive on that? And everyone loves to talk about what you can get it to. But I'm like, can you actually make money with it right now based on what it is? Especially well, I mean, in, a, in a province like Ontario where it is so difficult to to Be uh, cash flow positive? No kidding. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. Ben Rabido is... got an index where he basically looks at, you know, if you bought now at maximum leverage, where would you be? And, you know, that that thing went south of basically went when not only cash flow negative, it went principal negative. Right. Like meaning that your mortgage payment, the the rent you were bringing in wasn't even was not only enough that was not only enough that you wouldn't be able to cover your um, your full mortgage payment, but you were actually not even. The the it wasn't even it wasn't even covering the full interest portion of that. You were actually having to pay out of pocket for for interest in addition to the principal payments. Jason, over the
0: last couple of years, I have watched people buying properties knowing that they are going to lose. They're you know completely with this mindset of oh it they're going to go up in value. No worries. I it's okay if I take a loss on them you know on a monthly basis, and I'm thinking. You have no, like, I got outbid on certain properties by double, like, <laughs> double. Yeah. And, and I remember telling uh, the realtor I said you know go ahead and sell it to that person because you, but you know what the funny <laughs> thing is you, know, you get work. this
1: you, you know you what know, you know what characteristically you get when people start talking about stuff like that it's like oh it's yeah. foreign money coming in to buy all this and no. you know what you no know, no no here's the thing you're right because yeah. your reaction is perfect because that's what people say it's always easier to blame the other right and yeah. the reality is there is some of that we know that empirically there's been books right. written on that yes. absolutely yes. but at the end of the day it it is still the domestic person buying who is accepting that and willing to make that leap and and the reality is the vast majority of sales say whatever you want like let's just i've even seen estimates that vancouver got as bad as one third over a certain period of time okay that doesn't mean that the the other two thirds had to listen that, that the other two thirds had to participate that the other two thirds couldn't sit back and say this is ridiculous i'm not playing this game now a certain percentage of them absolutely have to do something right that's just life but the reality is we didn't have to play this game but everybody yeah. wanted a quick buck.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's, it is hard to watch. I don't know if it's hard, but it's not, it's not easy to watch as other people are doing their home rentals, uh, you know, adding yeah. another floater to the house, uh, you know, buying other properties. It's hard to watch as people seem yeah. to be getting ahead and you're thinking, I get it. Why, but, why shouldn't but, I?
1: let's let's also talk about the place of luck in in one's life okay and this yeah. is not just real estate okay at the end of the day I have zero time for anyone who won't acknowledge the luck that they've had in getting to where they are right now you look at the book outliers which spells out like hey you know like Steve you know Steve Jobs Bill Gates they were all born with the right time Gates went to a school that had some of the earliest computer access like he was born to an executive who sat on the IBM board like all kinds of things that like stars aligned and created boom and there there you go right Warren Buffett will talk about this, all the, all the, all this other stuff. But the reality is, is that, look, you can't survive off luck, right? Like luck and, and, experience, look, look and experience and the right set at the right time is what creates that incredible trajectory that can happen. Right. But just because someone's more successful or has that house with the beginning doesn't mean that they were this, this, this basically brilliant person. I think it was, um, it was Bill Gates who said the thing about success, um, The thing about success is that it can it can fool smart people into thinking they're smart at everything, and I would add to that in saying that the thing about success is it can fool people who aren't smart into thinking they are right. And and it's basically you have to acknowledge the fact that you know I've got friends who bought a couple years out of university, right, and you know they look at the equity gains after over that period which is now approaching two decades right and i bought much later in life but i took a different path right i started my own business i basically had to i, I couldn't buy because i was too busy investing in myself right and those trajectories went very different now you know i'm happy to say in those cases where we're i'm i'm doing better but you know what the reality is is that there was also a huge role of luck in my in my life not just the effort to get to where i am because you can be the smartest best person at anything But at the end of the day, if you don't get the right opportunities, and that is luck, you have to help you to try to work to create them. But if you don't have that semblance of luck, you will basically never have that benefit. So the reality is, is that, you know, when I get the entire, again, going back to FOMO, it's hard to see everybody else doing this and moving on with their life. I've had this conversation. It's hard to feel like you're never going to get there if you don't do something soon. Absolutely. But don't go thinking like the reality is, is that their timing just aligned. Those people that yeah. you looked at, they're timing just a line. And I would also say, I don't I, I don't judge people's wealth by their, by their income statement. I judge it by their balance sheet, right? And mm-hmm. this is what happens all the time, okay? What happens all the time. Oh my God, this guy's loaded. Look how much money he's got. He's driving this car. Look at the money they splash around. Look at the vacations they go on. Look at all this. This is very common in certain fields where I will say to people, no, you cannot do all this because your financial plan says there's no way you're going to do it. I don't understand. All my colleagues are doing this, whatever. And I say to them, you don't know that they're not literally basically living off their line of credit, right? That they're not paying down that mortgage and taking it right back out of the line. Right? So the, the reality is, is that you see all this stuff happening. Now, the good thing is the balance sheets all looked really good in the last couple of years because the bank, because everything was going up and that hit a lot of problems because people were able to continue to consume and increase their debt levels. But the reality is, is that that that, that, game of musical chairs is over now. So like the reality is, is how solid is your balance sheet That's how I'd measure wealth not in consumption
0: uh, you, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you listen to what Jason just said and and I want to share a story to right off of that Jason because I, I remember seeing a file and I've seen this many times but I I had another agent bring me this file where they were looking for I don't know 800,000 for this individual and and I looked through and I said I declined it and the person said, why are you declining it? I said, cause they're going to be bankrupt in, in about a year. And, and she said to me, you are crazy. They're worth $39 million. What in the world are you talking about? And what's, what's the leakage look like? I said, I said, <laughs> I said uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to pass. Anyway, she called me six months later and said, how did you know? How did you know? And I said, well, When you when you start, there are just some things they say wealth leaves clues. Right. And so when you look at those numbers, someone who's made that kind of money should not have two hundred and fifty thousand dollar credit cards with two hundred and fifty three thousand dollars owing on those credit cards. You know, personal loans four cars. I I've met people that are wealthy and they've got you know a collector ferrari a collector porsche and, yep. you know all these kind of things but they don't have four cars that are all strictly liabilities right <laughs> and this kind of stuff and i and i was watching and i said the moment this person they get held up on one deal everything's going to back up and sure enough that's what happened
1: well actually i mean if you ever there's a really good article i think it was in toronto life about the entire uh, king street um, restaurant group right mm-hmm. like some of the highest end restaurants in the city, Jacob's Steakhouse, right? Um, what's the abuka uh, Like restaurants, I love. Like I am a big foodie, and I love eating at their places, right? <laughs> and and you know what? Those guys, that empire was built on just uh, basically robbing Peter to pay Paul and debt. And the second the second uh, COVID hit, and borrowing from from like you know very very you know let's call that second secondary tertiary lenders, the second COVID hit, the entire the entire house of cards collapsed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that is, that is, that is a metaphor for how some people or example of how some people live their lives. I have, I quite literally, I, I kid you not, sat, sat across from people who have earned north of a million dollars for, uh, infl- let's just say today, adjusted for inflation, north of a million dollars for the better part of 30 to 40 years. Okay. Like they were that highly skilled. They earned that kind of money. Right. And I'm sitting there with these people like approaching 70 and I'm like, If you stopped working tomorrow, you'd be you'd basically be out of money in six months. Wow. Right. And and meanwhile, at the same time, I've sat down with people where I mean, back in the day, used to say it's 50,000, it's called 75. They've earned they've earned average wages their entire life, if that. Right. And in addition to maybe maybe they even are a member of a defined benefit pension that they need to are millionaires. Right. Well, literally we'll save up Will save up basically millions of dollars because they're just living within their means, right? Like there's a little, I hate rules of thumb. I absolutely abhor them, right? But I will say this much if you're, there's money not left up, left over at the end of the month, right? And if if you're not banking a minimum of 20 points, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, that better be at least split 50, at the very, at the very most half of that's going to to principal payments. We'll say that. And the rest of it's going to actual investments. If you're not banking a minimum of that, you're not going to get to that threshold. You're not. Right. And, and you know what? For, for, for people who are earning average wages, given where Canada Pension Plan is and what it pays and all security, you're probably going to be okay if you can retire close to debt free. Right. Like that's it. Like focus on that. You're probably going to be okay. But the higher your salary gets away from the average, the more it's on you to finance your retirement. And the reality is, is that no one else is planning that for you. And I, I always tell people, it's like, I don't really care where it goes. You could, have a stu- you, could have, you could have the silliest freaking hobby I've ever heard in my life. You can collect, you know, spoons from your travels. I don't care, right? You can you can pay ten thousand for one of those spoons. I don't care, as long as it's sustainable. And that's the mm. issue. <laughs> well,
0: uh, I think you're more hopeful than than I am, Jason, because I've seen uh, a lot of finances, people's finances, and I can tell you that the numbers you just threw out is not the norm. Uh, a lot no, of people not. would. There's a lot of people that couldn't make it out of 30 days. Couldn't Couldn't make 30 days and yeah. uh, and be able to afford the uh, to pay for their mortgage, their cars. Oh, I've their, seen it. All that kind of I, stuff. I've thing. seen it.
1: I've seen you know. I've seen. I've done pro bono work in the past. I've seen it on both ends, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. But I will say that it's not the, the the crazy thing that this really gets to people is that it really isn't about the income level right? If you have income at a sustainable level, that's, you know, yeah. hopefully beyond minimum wage, it really is about consumption. Now I will say yeah. that in cities like Toronto, consumption is a much harder problem. Right. Yeah. But cause again, even base stuff is going to cost you a fortune. Yeah. But the number of times I've had people like say to me, like, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to stop working. I'm going to die poor end a story. Right. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at your situation. Okay. Your mortgage is pretty much done, but yeah, you have like, you have no savings, but you know what, you know, you, you and your spouse have, Canada Pension Plan and only Security. you defer that to 70 and that is basically a a guaranteed income from from the government, which is combined over if you're assuming you qualify for both of it for, for both of them over sixty thousand dollars a year that takes care of a lot of needs, right? Most people don't even stop to think about, like most people do one of two things. Either they forget that these things exist or assume they're not going to get them, which is misguided in most cases. And when we actually, even people with some savings who've got good income, they, when, we, when we factor it in, most people are actually in better shape than they think they are, at least for retirement, right? Prior to, you got you to sort yourself out. Um and I would say that when it comes to um, now, unfortunately, unfortunately, most people do not wait until 70 because they're not well educated enough to do this. But there's very big deferral benefits to waiting to, to waiting to um, to 70, um, and that even if you take it early and bank that money, you're not going to make up those deferral benefits. It's a guaranteed a, a guaranteed uh, win unless you're going to be you know imminent death. So so the reality is a lot of people are in better shape than they thought they are, but there are absolutely. Absolutely, the people both ends of the spectrum, right? And again, it's not it's not necessarily an income issue. There are people, yeah. like again, with, there are people I've met who made more money in one year than the average person makes in their lifetime. Yeah, and they're still close to broke.
0: Yeah, i I actually agree with you there very much so because, you know, I've had the conversation with people about where they choose to live, even, you know, in terms of the cost of housing, and if you choose to, you could move let's say a little further out and and then you could get something that will not take as much off of the top and you'll be able to live within your means but then of course well if i move out there and yeah. you know all the all of this kind of well stuff. it's
1: yeah i know i mean it's 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 not you know it's it's a difference a philosophical difference because between, between, of course between, you know i live outside
0: between, of toronto right Fair.
1: So, but but here's the difference. It's the difference between the concept of can't and won't, right? A lot of people right. the, the people will use people will use the term can't for yes. Oh, I can't say no to that. I can't do this. I can't. Let's let's be frank. The only things you can't do are breathe, eat, and drink water. So I can't not do. You have to do those three things. Yeah. Everything else is technically optional. Everything right. else, right? And it's the it's the things that we put in our mind. About what we're willing to give up or not give up that basically prevent that so the reality is and i've seen this happen too with clients it's like you know what they were they they had a big toronto home they wanted to keep it in in retirement they struggled for it and then they finally just you know went to go visit a friend who made a move in let's say st Catharines, right like actual case and they're like you know what it's nice here it's quiet oh my god i could get a house for this compared to what i have it in the city you know i'm close to a couple friends and next thing you know, they sold their house in Toronto with the St. Catharines. They banked a huge difference. And, and their, their quality of life is increased. Because you know what? The Here's the thing. It's been proven by many, many scientific experiments. Financial stress inhibits your ability to think, right? Mm-hmm. Financial stress, basically, you actually, believe it or not, quote unquote, act dumber when under financial stress.
0: Absolutely. Your
1: IQ, as measured when under financial stress, will actually be lower than your baseline right? So the reality is, yeah. is that the time that unfortunately, the human mind is wired in such a way need to be able to think more clearer, we regress into a more flight or flight response, a very pro- primitive response. And that actually inhibits our ability to think, right? Yes. It also, unfortunately, inhibits people's ability to learn when they're growing up, which is unfortunate, which is a societal issue. But the reality is, is that the, the freedom garnered, by eliminating, by looking at the same pot of resources that this this person has an example, same Mm. pot of resources, nothing changed, right? Except for the expense of moving, which was an expense. And that shift in relocation, basically by the reallocation of resources, alleviated an enormous amount of mental stress and led to quality of life increases that they didn't Mm. think were possible. And this phenomenon is very, very common, I will tell you. With all people not wanting to go to homes. Okay. Now I know we had this entire disaster in COVID, right? I get that. And there was, there was many homes that were terrible, but my, you know, I will be very thankful. My grandfather spent the last couple of years of his life in a retirement home, just down the street from my house where he was treated incredibly well and they were safe and they were protected. And they, didn't have a, they, they had like very few cases. So that was, a, it was a really, really, you know, great place for him to be. But I've seen this countless times with clients, clients, parents, and even my own family. They don't want to go. They don't want to go. They don't want to go. They want to stay in their house. It's important to them. They don't want to go. Then they go. And now they're surrounded by people of their own age with similar life experiences, with similar interests. And suddenly it's like they got a couple of years younger. They're reinvigorated. They're reinvigorated. The value of community, the elimination of stress, not just financial stress, but the elimination of of basically the stress of having to take care of themselves fully. Right. Like that is like. Unbelievably, better. I, I will absolutely believe. I will absolutely state that it, in my experience, it probably adds years to their lives. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I think the the other part of that one that's interesting is the social aspect. Uh, oftentimes, I think we don't realize how much we are, you know, beings that that need community. And people will often go from being alone in a home to. All of a sudden they've got so many people around them. And uh yeah. I, I've heard I've heard that uh some of these homes can get quite lively uh from staff. I, I won't get into that oh, yeah. I'm not gonna get into that either. But I mean, like <laughs>
1: I, I will tell you, I mean, even you know, I've often encouraged clients like with with parents who basically were were resistant to it and say, listen, you know, mom, dad, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they have they have an overnight stay, right? They have yeah. an over-the-weekend stay. Go try it out. That's all I'm asking. Go try it out. If you don't like yeah. it, I'll never I'll never say boo about it again. The next thing okay, you know, let, the weekend's over, and they want to come right. They, they want to move there full time.
0: Let l- Let me jump you into a little touchy, a couple of touchy subjects uh, oh, for here us you. here in Canada, and and they're touchy subjects. And you can feel free to go whichever direction you want. I think the financial ones are are the important. Carbon tax, while we're y- you know already you know dealing with ha- with uh, inflation.
1: Look, here's the thing. I, I am notorious for being called conservative by liberal, by, by people on the left wing and and being a left wing pinko commie by people on the right wing. Right. I, I basically what I am a fan, of, I, I am a firm centrist and I'm a fan of solid policy. So yeah. let's talk about this from multiple angles. It yeah. says the conversation of the other day. There is the structure of it. The structure of the tax is actually quite sound. Why? Because it is meant to divert your is basically meant to disincentivize the consumption of carbon. Raising the price of carbon carbon uh, heavy heavy options basically incentivizes you to go to less carbon heavy options. Basic economics. It's a syntax. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Right. So you have this trade off now. Now, people might not like change, but this is, this is, and we'll get to that in a second. But this is the trade off. The second piece of this is the credit you receive on your taxes, which basically, when you, which is, and I got to look at the numbers again, is set at a level where basically the average person and whatever, you know, per, the average family who's, be, who's eating their home, driving to work, all that stuff like, around normal consumption, whatever they determine to be normal consumption is. And that's not for debate also, ends up neutral, ends up neutral. Okay. I pay throughout the year. My taxes end up neutralizing this entire thing. If you are at the right level, if you are a net under contributor to carbon emissions, you end up better off. If you are a net over contributor to carbon emissions, you are worse off. This is actually quite sound structure, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Now, we might not like yeah. the, pay, the cost of the pump, but the actual the actual structure of it, well done. Hats off. Right. That's that's how you should structure these things. Okay. Now, the the entire the entire argument of um, well, other countries aren't doing stuff, so we're not going to get there on climate change. First of all, you don't fix. Here's what here's what doesn't fix climate change: doing nothing. Doing nothing. Yeah, right. And the reality right. is, telling others to do what we haven't done jack isn't an option either. Right. So frankly, we need to do. We need to. We need to do stuff. Now, what I don't believe is that all countries should be given the same type of carbon allowances under an agreement. And the reason because of that is because we are a global marketplace, and there are Different resources extracted in the global marketplace and different resources basically produce different amounts of carbon. Right. So the reality is, is that we are people hate to hear this. We are always going to need oil. Why? Plastics alone, everything else it does. Right. So we are still going to always have a market for that. And that is always going to be more carbon intensive than other things. So the reality is, and this is this is probably political, politically impossible to do, but literally the global market demand for what, there has to be some, there should be some understanding for the fact that some countries should be able to be permitted, or some activities should be permitted greater carbon consumption than others, because it meets the needs of the entire world, not to simply say, oh, here's the year we all admitted X, drop it by Y. Okay, yes, we should drop it by Y globally, but the allocation there are some countries where it's a heck of a lot easier to get on that threshold than others because of their, not just, again, the economy is a corollary to the actual resource extraction and consign and production of carbon. But you know, the reality is, is there, like I said, there's company, like, I, I don't know for sure about this, but I'm going to guess that Switzerland probably had an easier time hitting their target than Canada would. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any real carbon intensive jobs in Switzerland or industries in Switzerland. Right. So right. is it fair that we be, we giving them the same benchmark? I don't think that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I, You know, my my real question, Jason, my real concern about it is a lot of it has to do with timing and then what we what we're blaming on it Um, when we look at the finances, when we're talking about interest rates going up and we're watching the impact, obviously, on people's mortgages and and we're talking about that's taking money out of their pocket. We're watching the, of course, the carbon tax. It's taking money out of the pocket. They're they're not driving as so, much. It, it'd be something different if it was yeah. just on driving. But when yeah. you start getting into heating your home and, you know, heating fuel, all of this kind of stuff, I, I, I start uh, being concerned and looking at how the metric
1: of uh, the inflation so let's go rate back to that. gets calcu- calculated. So, so let's go back to that, right? Yeah. Again, they're feeling it now. What are they going to feel at tax time? What are they going to feel at tax time? Yeah. (laughs) Someone's consuming a, a, you know, this is the entire incentive system. Yes. It hurts at the point of consumption. If you're not a, if you're not a, you know, worsely skewed actor, you should end up close. If you're basically around the threshold, you should be basically net neutral. So that's the reality of it. It's not, it's not a pure people forget about people look at the actual tax on the thing. Right. And forget about that. There's a second mechanism in the background. Okay. So that's the reality of it. Now, yes, as for timing, right? And I've seen this. And you know what? Let's separate political rhetoric from reality, okay? Because it doesn't matter who's in charge. The other side's always going to say they're doing it wrong. Like, that's the universal (laughs) law. That's the (laughs) universal law. And the other side is also going to make claims that you should do X when they full well know that you cannot, right? So one of the things that was talked about was, oh, CPP contributions are increasing this year for employer employees. This is the absolute worst timing. You need to go back and change that. Well, right. changes to CPP require ratification of like and provincial input and provincial sign-off and all of this. So the amount of time and effort and energy it would take to actually get these changes done, it's not like flipping a switch, right? Some of these taxes, it's not like, you know, people seem to think the government can can basically change policy on a dime, okay? You yeah. can pass a right. law. There's a process. The honest truth is by the time, so here's the other thing too, by the time some of this stuff is digested, and basically let's say we did start to we did start to change. So what I don't want people believing is that they, they vote on the other party, the voter, the other party gets rid of the carbon tax, and tomorrow it all goes back to where it was before.
0: No, it right. Doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Because it takes yeah. time.
1: But what's yes. happened in the ma- but here's the goal. Let's go back to basic economics. What's happened in the meantime? What's happened in the meantime is people have been making lifestyle decisions and changes in yes. consumption patterns that yes. basically go somewhere else. Now, yes. does dropping this mean that they go back? Not necessarily. No. Right. No. So it's like, you know, like, look, there are like, welcome to, welcome to life. There are no good answers to any problem. There's just trade-offs.
0: Right. Right. It, there, there's something for me when it comes to looking at a number of these policies and definitely about timing, but some of them, like for but instance, I, go I gotta get it. Let me, let me peg you here for a second. I'll hey, time you okay? Yeah.
1: We yeah. go in, we pass policy today that is going to be enacted in a couple of years how the heck yes. do we know what the world of a couple of years looks like? And then we say, this right. is the wrong time. Okay, come on. The train departed the station and is at full yes. speed now, and you're suggesting that the train could stop yeah. on a dime. Again, that, that is a challenge, right? So I don't want to – here's the thing. There's an old saying is that you know amateurs discuss, discuss strategy. Pros discuss logistics, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you've got the best idea in the universe. If they can't make it happen, it's worthless, right? Yeah. And the reality is, is that every strategy that's implemented and changed – does require time, momentum, effort, all kinds of support yes. systems to get there. And once yes. it starts going, a reversal, of course, is like changing the direction of a battleship. It will take yes. time.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Having worked for the federal government before,
1: I can tell you that I've yeah. watched that, and I agree with you very and, much. And let's though. and, and let's also yeah. remember, this is the other thing too. And I had an argument like so. So I got contact by someone who said I should be lobbying on behalf of elimination of RIF minimum payments out of out of RIFs, right? And I said, listen, I'm of a split mind on this, right? First off, the RIF, the set RIF minimum payment is not, is not specific. This is, is a set level that helps a percentage of the pop that's right for the percentage of the population, but not right for everybody. Because again, you know, not everybody's the same, right? I said, listen, while I'm in favor of more flexibility in this, my, my concern is that this is going to lead to greater taxation long run because people will just defer, take the minimum, the RSPs will be bigger when they die, and then there's going to be they're going to be taxed at a, at a bigger rate in total because their income is larger on death than they ever would have, and they would have been better off taking it slowly along the way, right? This person emailed back in reply saying, "I can't believe you're taking this stance. All I want is the freedom to choose and all this other stuff." I said, "Listen, I can, I'm always concerned about what changes the policy breaks somewhere else, right?" There is, there is never, there's a negative implication, no matter what you think, no matter what policy, no matter how benevolent, there's always going to be something that you didn't think of that basically ends up screwing it up for another group of people, right? That riff issue is a perfect example. I'll give you another example. We all just lived through license plate sticker renewals, All yes. right? Let's get rid of that system. Here's a refund for the money that pro rata till your next renewal. Sounds great. How many people now don't realize they still need to renew, renew their sticker, renew, renew their license plate, right? That's a great thing. Are you telling me that we actually need to do that again? Yes, you do. You still have to renew <laughs> your license plate. So your license plate, even though there's no sticker, there you go. You yeah. didn't know. The majority of people still don't know this. You still need to renew yeah. it. Cops can still pull you over because your plate is out of date and still wow. ticket you, right? People do not know this. So there's a perfect example. That sticker, as much as it was an annoyance to all of us, And it was a, it was basically a cost and we still need to pay to renew. Just not the same. I don't know what it is to to renew, Um, but you got to do it online. You can get email reminders and set yourself up for it. But people do not realize you still have to renew your license. And so again, policy got fixed and broke something else.
0: Yes. Let's just get into something that I think is massively disruptive. We got to talk about this and I know you've got thoughts on this. Chat GPT. Oh jeez, I knew you were going there. Um, artificial intelligence. I've been playing with this stuff, and I'm and I'm watching. You know, to some degree, I feel like it's time bomb. Not that we didn't know it was going to be here, but I'm really amazed at what what this stuff is able to do right now.
1: Oh, you think GP3, GPT is bad? Wait until the GPT. So we're, that's based off GPT three, which right. has one, uh, which has basically. Um, what was it uh, 175 billion parameters uh the next one gpt4 will have it, 100 trillion parameters here's the thing right. about chat gpt uh, uh does 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 it ever sound like it's not sure
0: absolutely like it i mean in terms of Sometimes it just gives you the completely wrong answer, but I've actually had it where it'll it is it
1: in the it is in the, you... it is in the confidence, it is in the confidence upper quadrant. Okay. It is in You're a right. confidence upper quadrant. And I have right. seen, I have had people send me stuff on how do I compose a portfolio. I'm like, well, this is fundamentally incorrect because here's all the research that proves it wrong. So the reality is, is it's giving you yes. it's like it's like asking an opinion, yes. but maybe the answers on average are going to be better, right? Yes. But it doesn't mean they it's take, right. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the first piece. The second piece is that I find there's a there, so right now at least at least currently synthesis is an issue, right? Taking this a concept, asking a question about a concept and a human being's reaction to it. Good luck, right? Because again, we are not machines. We are we are we are gray matter. We are we are we are organic. And, you know, what seems there's a, there's a saying in the Austrian school that basically when you understand the background, every, there's no such thing as a rationality of people's viewpoints, right? Because there's, there's an entire experience that informs that, that, that viewpoint. Yes, However, yes. to a robot, it seems irrational, right? Because right. it can think more linearly. So, so you have an issue there with synthesis, right? So that's not an issue. Uh, and I will say that you, you get a level of depth of answer if you ask for it that seems pretty good. But it ne- it lacks a level of true deep understanding because it's not conscious of the project, right? So here's what I will say we are going to see a supernova level of increase in near useless content. Just very generalistic stuff. We are. Yes. We're gonna see that. And anyone who is, you know, I think Buzzfeed just got rid of a bunch of people and is gonna use chat GPT for things like listicles and stuff like that, because it is a low threshold thinking, right? So yeah. Now, that said, I actually think it increases the value of of deep dive, truly understood of of expertise, because the more prolific, not the more prolific the base level becomes, the more rare in comparison the expertise looks, right? And this is the issue. So that I think anyone who wants to commit themselves to long form, deep dive, true research, understanding of of things is going to do just fine because if anything people get tired of get tired of the of the of the bubblegum level you know basic entry level nonsense right and the but i also will say where where i will utilize this and 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 big up to to, to notion for installing this before chat gpt was a thing is that it is a great way to get started on articles right so um, notion is a, is a, is a knowledge management platform. It anyways, it's, it's a crazy way for running your business. But point is, is that I, for example, I'm going to be writing content for, for members of an association I work for. Right. So I was like, let's test this out. Um, what are the primary ways of, of, um, of registering a business in this country and the pros and cons. And it said, it basically said like, there are multiple ways, you know, there's sole proprietorship, there's partnership, there's corporation, gave me a couple of pros and cons. I'm like, Okay, you know what, this is like, you know, equal to a high schoolers level of research written out, and but it's well structured, I can start with this and expand on. So it will also enable people who are experts to basically just not start from a blank page. Yes. But start from, start from something that is a little bit more. So I think if anything, it will allow and enable people like me to pump out more valuable information, having not having had to write the introductory stuff and the long hanging fruit. Now the yes. question becomes, does that create a disjointed disjointed experience in terms of the, the voice in which is speaking.
0: You know, Jason, I, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. I was, I was actually talking with my kids uh, on this one and I'm, and I'm asking them, hey, are you using this? Have you tried this out? And and we started talking about how to take it, use it as a tool to create a summary yep. of, of the book you're reading. And then take it and start writing from there. Exactly what you're talking oh, yeah. about. You know, well, you that's the other thing is someone's me some getting- bones.
1: Wait, wait until someone someone's got to invent the artificial intelligence now to basically check and see if ChatGPT was used when people submit homework, because that's a thing. <laughs> now, now here's yeah. the thing. This is, but let's talk about how this evolves, right? Because this is yes. this is a similar trend in evolution, because this is today, right? In the future, yes. it will get better. So yes. here's what I say: like using my Industries as an analogy, right? It used to be very burdensome to open an account and get access to investments. Now it's easy, right? advisors moved up the moved up the, the complexity scale to start offering more services so then it basically started to be like okay we can de- develop diversified portfolios for you that involves a bunch of research and a bunch of work and math okay we can do that now it's easy right commoditized both of those then we started getting into financial planning because basically that's that's you know c- continuing to move up the complexity and value spectrum right because the when the easy things become when the when the when the intro level things become low burden you, move, you, can, you can start delivering greater and greater value uh, further up the channel, right? Because now you have more and more time. So, but, but that said, I'm working with a company that has brought artific- artificial intelligence to financial planning software. And what was re- previously benchmarked at 10 hours is now, knock on wood, let's call it two to three, including client engagement. So you're looking at prote- potentially a 60% plus reduction in hours spent. So what happens, right? Now... People who look at the industry from the outside and say, oh, great, advisors can ha- handle more clients, therefore there'll be less advisors. And I'm like, this is not an engineering problem. This is a human problem. No one wants to call up their advisor and the advisor say, let me, hold on, let me look up your file to see who it is you are again. Cause I can't remember because I service 300 people, right? They don't want that experience. They want the person who says, hey, hey, Dave, how you doing? Yeah, good. How's did your kid's leg heal? Like I know they broke it last week. They want that experience, right? But that also opens the door for, again, you look to talk to anyone in the US, this is the way we're going. The future of my job will be things that robots are not good at. It will not be number crunching and all this other stuff. It is the behavioral coaching. It is the how do I take this plan that I basically did within a couple of hours or an hour with this with this artificial intelligence that does a better job than I would have done as a solo individual? And how do I translate what it's telling us to do into basically something you can understand? I can answer questions around the recommendations, but more importantly, I can work with you to implement the entire thing and get past mm-hmm. the behavioral and other issues you have that prevents you from implementing that and be there to counsel you on how all the negative stuff that happens in your life, you can get past. Yeah. So the reality is the future of my job is one that is far more based in almost psychology and coaching than it is just in pure mathematics right? At least for the majority of people. So that is what's happening. And I think, you know, any, anyone whose career was writing very fluffy things for clickbait, oof, I don't like where you live right now. Like you're in a bad spot. and But I do think it's, you know, again, you know, in the world that's inundated by this, right? really, really powerful journalism is just so much more valuable in that regard. Now, monetization is a difficulty, but it is, it is, I think, you know, some of the better writers out there are out there writing their own blogs or newsletters that are getting a ton of traction because they're valuable. I pay for newsletters uh, to, to these authors because some of these authors because their insights are that good.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think this
0: is going to be very disruptive in the fintech space. Uh, Because for those people that like to call themselves experts and they don't add on the nuance that you've just talked about in terms of really knowing your client and you're just happy sitting in your chair being the expert because you know this information like the old school library. I opened
1: opened an account and sold you a mutual fund that I've talked to that the wholesaler told me to sell. Like, you know, let's let's refer to that as the lowest hanging fruit of them all. Okay. yeah. Like model needs to die, like full stop. And it's not it's not providing anyone real value. All right, we, we've hit
0: time. Let me ask you one final question here, Jason. What do you have lined up for 2023 that uh, you're excited about?
1: Oh, actually, it's been a little bit of a slow start. I've only got, uh, I'm working on a couple of speaking gigs that uh, might land in the next couple of while. I can't make them public. They'll be made public on Twitter when, I, when that happens. Um, I am, I mean, there's all kinds of great stuff happening in my business in terms of modern, in terms of digitization, in terms of up- getting new people up to speed. So I'm excited about that. Um, There is a bunch of stuff I'm working on with some big, with some fintechs of advising. There's gonna be some big announcements there. Uh, I've got a great uh, lineup of people so far for all my podcasts. Honestly, everything's heading the right direction. No one big thing. I'm happy to just kind of keep this, keep this, you know, train rolling down the track and and see where it leads.
0: Moving life in a good direction with
1: uh, Jason Pereira. Jason, thank you so
0: much for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing your thoughts on all of these. And, uh, where, where's the best place for people to get a hold of you on your website?
1: Yeah, jasonperera.ca. Yeah. So P-E-R-E-I-R-A. I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. But that's that's my yeah. content site. That's where my podcast, my occasional blog posts go. Everything else I do just gets funneled through that. And uh, yes, if you uh, – and then there's Twitter If you in case you want to support or fight me on anything, that's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> uh be wary guys i trying to
0: fight with jason but jason thank you so much for coming on the show again i yeah. love having you on love uh getting your insights and uh i i even love getting slapped around a, a couple a bit there because you you kind of reminded me on a couple of things that uh about the machine that i had lost touch on so i appreciate that thank you very much for it's being on the
1: aisle you know it's simple it's everything is simpler on the outside Everything. Just remember that. (laughs) Love it. All All right, guys. We'll see
0: you again next week. Take care.
1: Take care.